Okay? Yeah. yeah. So it was a tangible way to connect kind of the promises that, of what he was going to bring and what he was going to do. Yeah. Okay, yeah, to fulfill the prophecies, to kind of prove that, hey, I'm, I'm that guy. I'm going to do the things that were prophesied about me. That's great. Good. So we also have to keep in mind, I think, when we're talking about, you know, 2,000 years ago, we have to keep in mind the context of, like, what the status of the, the healthcare world was like or lack thereof at that time. I mean, when people suffered, they suffered, <laughs> Right? It wasn't like you could go and get chemotherapy or, you know, whatever, take all kinds of prescription medicines that we have today that would help um, with some of the pain or even maybe help completely cure what they were dealing with. These people were suffering and they had diseases and things that we don't even experience in our world anymore. So bringing healing to our bodies is part of the good news of the kingdom. And like a lot of you guys have mentioned, it can be a pathway or a doorway into deeper spiritual conversations with people. So, in fact, based on the pattern of Jesus' ministry of healing, Christians in the following centuries, after, right after Jesus' death and resurrection, they became the catalysts for public hospitals. Okay, there were no public hospitals before the advent of Christianity. I didn't know if you know that or not. Here's one thing that I found, a quote that I found on this topic that's pretty interesting. It says, the declaration of Christianity is an accepted religion in the Roman Empire drove an expansion of the provision of care. Following the first council of Nicaea in 325 AD, so that's where they got the Nicene Creed, where they kind of codified what it is we believe about Christians, okay? Construction of a hospital in every cathedral town was begun. So if you think of a, of a cathedral town, you might think of it kind of like a county seat, right? They didn't build a cathedral in every single village, right? But in the places, the bigger cities where they built a cathedral, they connected a hospital to it. So isn't that interesting that early Christians made this connection between believing in Jesus and providing for the physical care of people? Like those things had to be married together. I think there's something to that. Not only was Jesus known for his miraculous healings, but we'll see as we journey through these healing encounters that almost without exception, this one particular phrase pops up again and again and again in these healing stories. So we're going to find out what that is. I want you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 8. And please do it. Please either get your phone out or get your pew Bibles out. Matthew 8, 1383. It's a page number. We're going to be hopping really quickly, one or two verses at a time here. Matthew 8, 16 says this. When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with the word and healed all the sick. Matthew 9, 35. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease. And sickness. Matthew 12, 15. Aware of this, Jesus withdrew from that place. A large crowd followed him, and he healed all who were ill. Mark. Next book over. Chapter 6. Verse 56. Mark 6, 56. 
And wherever he went, into villages, towns, or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak, and all who touched it were healed. Next book over, Luke chapter 4, verse 40. Luke 4.40, at sunset the people brought to Jesus all who had various kinds of sickness and laying his hands on each one, he healed them. Luke 6.19, and the people all tried to touch him because power was coming from him and healing them all. He healed them all. Time and time again. Not some. Not just the righteous ones. Not even just the Jews. Right? You might think, oh, maybe he gave special treatment to God's holy people or his, his chosen people. But he healed all who came. I want to read this quote from a book called Christ the Healer. Written in 1924. It says this. Nearly everyone knows that God does heal some, but there is much in modern theology that keeps people from knowing what the Bible clearly teaches, that healing is provided for all. It's impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing that we are not sure God offers. That's interesting. Let me say that again. It is impossible to boldly claim by faith a blessing that we are not sure God offers. The power of God can be claimed only where the will of God is known. It would be next to impossible to get a sinner to believe unto righteousness before you have fully convinced him that it was God's will to save him. Faith begins where the will of God is known. If it is God's will to heal only some of those who need healing, then none have any basis for faith unless they have a special revelation that they are among the favored ones. Faith must rest on the will of God alone not on our desires or wishes. Appropriating faith is not believing that God can, but that God will. Thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay. That was good. I don't even know if I can <laughs> encapsulate all that. Come and see this girl afterwards. She's got some insightful things to say. <laughs> She's saying that, that, that having the faith to believe that he can do it, right, that he has the power to do it. Not necessarily that he will in your situation, but having the faith that he has the power to, to do that thing. Is that basically what you're saying? Okay, good. Other thoughts? This isn't the Bible. So I'm not making the claim that whatever was just read is, is true, per se. I'm just having a discussion. Yeah, Jamie. Yep.
Yeah. Yeah. Never get it or die without it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Know what scripture says. Yep. And try to match up our reality with it. Oh, that's perfect. Yeah. He says, but there's this tension that we live in, right? We see what scripture says. We see these examples of Jesus healing every person that came to him, at least in the, the ones that are put in here. And not every single one is like that. There's times where he healed in one town. I know one particular story. And then the next morning, the disciples are like, hey, there's more people here that want to be healed. And Jesus says, no, we need to go to the next town. So Jesus left people at the door who didn't get healed. So we know there's tension. We know from personal experience in our life, right, that we've had people that have prayed, faithful people that have asked for God to heal. And so um, this is exactly where I want to be, folks, right? I want there to be tension. And I want us to look at the word and, and, and to wrestle with God about these things because that's, that's real, Right? So we're going to keep going. I'm not going to solve all your, your answers today, your questions, but we're going to keep digging in. So, so far we acknowledge that God's character, his initiative towards mankind is to heal them. It's one of his stated names of who he is. It's what Jesus came to do and that he did on many occasions. We've seen that everywhere Christ went to declare and usher in the kingdom of God, the healing of the sick was a natural extension of his ministry. And finally, we've noticed this pattern of Christ's healing being for everyone and that he often healed all that came to him. So now I want to spend some time talking about the why, right? Why is healing an integral part of Christ's ministry? What is it about God's disposition towards mankind that leads to his healing work in our lives, okay? So one of the reasons God heals is because his, of his deep and endless compassion for us, okay? Scripture reminds us of his heart on many different occasions. Just got a few verses here. Psalm 103.8, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. Psalm 145, the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love. The Lord's good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Micah 7.18, who is a God like you, who pardons sin, forgives the transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? You do not stay angry forever, but to light, to show mercy. Okay, that's who our God is. He delights to show mercy. And time and time again in the Gospels, you would see these phrases being written where it would say, Jesus saw the large crowd or the great multitude and then it would say moved with compassion he healed their sick okay moved with compassion jesus was compassionate scripture tells us because we are harassed and helpless like a sheep without a shepherd he looks at us and he sees us as harassed and helpless we're just lost <laughs> we live our 75 or so years on this earth in, in this broken earth with broken bodies. And despite our willful disobedience that brought this whole mess on this place to begin with, our loving Father can't stand to see us in pain. One of the greatest stories of compassion you can see in Scripture is Luke chapter 7. I'd love for you to turn with me there. 
Luke 7, page 1471. Luke 7, verse 11. It says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and he touched the bier. They were carrying him on, and the bearers stood still. He said, young man, I say to you, get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. But what stood out to me in the midst of that was just that little phrase, his heart went out to her. It was heartbreaking for him to think of this single mom, you know, who had lost her husband, an only son, losing him too. Jesus' compassion for our suffering moves him to heal. And some say that Jesus' motive for healing so many people in the beginning of his ministry was to kind of like create a buzz and attract a crowd um, so that then he could tell them about the deeper spiritual things, about the kingdom and the gospel. And that may be true in part. I mean, certainly pain... Uh, can be all-consuming. And, and, and if you've ever been in pain or been around somebody that's in deep pain, right, it's really kind of all you can think about or, or, or trying to figure out how do I, you know, mentally push through it. It takes all your energy when you're in those moments. And so when you remove that pain, it frees up space and capacity then to then maybe begin thinking about the deeper, broken, internal things that might be going on in your life, okay? So I hear that side of the argument that maybe Jesus was just doing all these things to attract a crowd, but it's also true that on a lot of occasions that Jesus healed people or cast a demon out of people, he told them, don't go tell anybody, right? Multiple occasions that happened. And oftentimes Jesus did the exact opposite thing that would have created a lot of notoriety or buzz about him. He tried to quell the crowds many, many times, okay? So the final why behind his healing that I want to bring up this morning um, is to bring God glory, okay? I want you to look at Matthew chapter 15. Here's his story. It says, Jesus left there and went along the Sea of Galilee. Then he went up on a mountainside and sat down. Great crowds came to him, bringing the lame, the blind, the crippled, the mute, and many others, and laid them at his feet, and he healed them. The people were amazed when they saw the mute speaking, the crippled made well, the lame walking, and the blind seeing, and they praised the God of Israel. One of the most miraculous stories we're familiar with in Scripture is the raising of Lazarus from the dead. In John chapter 11, Jesus is friends with his family, and he hears that his friend Lazarus is severely ill, and so he begins traveling with his disciples to this town called Bethany. But when he gets there, Lazarus has already been dead for several days. He's, he's in his grave. And so I want to pick up the story in verse 38. I'll read it for you. John chapter 11. It says this, Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. 
It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there's a bad odor, for he has been there for four days. Then Jesus said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? See, Jesus, deeply moved, full of compassion, raises his friend to life so that God would be glorified. So that for everybody watching that day and around that scene would know and believe that all things are possible with God. So, guys, we're, we're three weeks into the series, and I'm still spending some time right now just building a foundation, okay? Because I think it's really important that we look at the character of who God is and what he wants to do in this world as he interacts with humanity. And there are a lot of specifics that we're going to address later, a lot of questions that people have about the mystery of this topic that we'll try to address as much as we can. But for now, I want us to sit in these truths, okay? Christ came teaching, preaching, and healing for a reason. And when Jesus sent out uh, in Luke chapter 10, you can see he sends out uh, his disciples, actually Luke, Luke 9 before that, um, he sends out his 12 disciples, and he gives them power and authority to do two things, cast out demons and to cure diseases. And he did that for a reason. The ministry of healing is an essential doctrine of the Christian expression of the kingdom of God. And Christ's followers for a couple of millennium have been leaders in the field of healthcare because it mimics the work of our Savior. To follow Jesus, I want you to hear this. <laughs> to follow Jesus is to help bring compassionate healing to this world for the glory of God. To follow Jesus is to help bring compassionate healing to this world for the glory of God. So I want to ask you, is that part of your ministry? Is an expression of your faith in Christ your desire to bring, or be a part, or be a steward, or a conduit of healing for other people. And we're going to talk about there's all kinds of healing, right? Not just physical, there's emotional, mental, spiritual, all kinds of healing. But we are, as Christ followers, to be about that in this world. Bringing healing to those around us. Jesus is the God who heals Yesterday, today, and forever. And his healing is for all. And his primary motivation is his great compassion for us. It's not a carnival act to seek fame, but to bring him glory. To turn the hearts of mankind back to him. All of these things are still true today. Not just when the Bible ended. I want to leave you with this, a couple of interesting ideas here, Okay. The Greek word for salvation is soteria. This word, this word implies, part of the definition for that word would be this, deliverance, preservation, healing, health, and soundness. You see, salvation is not just a ticket to get out of hell, as American evangelists might proclaim in, in our language today. It has much grander implications for our life. The Greek word sozo, translated as saved in scripture, also means healed, made sound, 
made whole. So to be healed or to be saved is not just an eternal healing. It's a temporal, here and now healing as well. So we've covered a lot of ground today. We've read some things about Jesus' ministry that's probably caused uh, a few questions, a little stirring in you about his intentions. Some of us hear the stories and the, and the accounts that we've read today, and they're filled with excitement and expectation uh, about what God has done, what he will do, what he might do in the future. Maybe you're, 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 you're having that sense of anticipation and excitement because you've seen healing in your own life. There might be people today that we can have stand up and, and, and give witness to what God has done in them. Or maybe you know somebody really close to you, a family member, a friend who's, who's had a miraculous healing in their life that, that medicine and doctors can't explain. And everything that we're talking about today just confirms what you see in Scripture about the power of God. Others of us may be feeling really confused, maybe even a little bit angry, maybe a little bit disillusioned, and that's okay too. God is big enough to handle all of our feelings on this topic. The important question that I want all of us to sit with today is this, is to acknowledge how am I feeling about this and why is that what I'm feeling about this? What do those feelings say about our faith, our trust in God, and our understanding of who he is and what he does? Okay? Because it's one thing to have an opinion or to have feelings about something, but the important thing is to start to unravel. Why is that the way I'm feeling or the way I'm thinking about this? Anyone want to share what's going on in their head right now? Any, any honest reflections on where you're at with this today? Good, bad, or indifferent? Yeah, Phil. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's saying that sometimes we just miss, we're missing the grander narrative in Scripture, right? We get lost in the minutia or the kind of circumstances or, you know, or even some things that have been very real to us that we forget God's heart, what he wants to do, who he is, and, and even, you know, the things we should be going to him for. Sometimes we just kind of throw in the towel at times, maybe, and just be like, well, this is just the way it is. Maybe it's the way it's going to be until I go to heaven. Okay? Yeah, Matt? I think we just need to approach it with great humility because if there is a people group that's going to struggle with this and deep, you're going to see two more feelings. It's modern American people who are so used to the most advanced and best health care and to the point where it's not necessarily a spiritual uh, 
endeavor. Yeah, spiritual endeavor. Yeah. When it comes to healing, it's either that. It's on the. It's a. A pharmaceutical issue, or a government issue, or an insurance issue. Well, mm. or it's a spiritual issue. Yeah. So we just have. We're coming to this as a whole other paradigm mm. that we're focused on. We have been focused on for a really, really long time. Yeah. Adjusting something different is kind of tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's saying basically in a country with, you know, some of the best healthcare advancements and care in the world, that we can just kind of put that topic of seeking God's healing to the side and just dive deeper into medicine and pharmacy and whatever else other earthly options are there, which also are things created by God too. So we have to have balance there of knowing that God creates medicine and doctors and treatments as well. But how do we, how do we have that that tension where we're not just completely relying on those things, but we're also inviting God into this as a spiritual thing that God wants to do in our hearts as we are healed by medicine or doctors or whatever. So yeah, lots of layers there. Good. Now, here's what I want you to do, okay? With your feelings and your questions, wherever those might be. For one, it's good to name them. It's good to process them with a Christian friend who might kind of point you back to Scripture or remind you of who God is. But the most important thing that you can do with whatever you're feeling is to go to God with it and to pray and say, Holy Spirit, I need to understand this. Like, lead me to the truth. That's what the Holy Spirit's job is, is to lead us to the truth, remind us of what is true. Right? We might have a lot of opinions about God and how he works based on personal experience but we might have lost the truth of who God is in the midst of that. So let's get back to that. And I want to invite you guys to stay at the table. Stay at the table. Whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, let's continue to let Scripture speak and inform us as we dive deeper into this topic. Because, guys, to be honest with you, I don't know where I'm at with all this stuff a lot of the times. My thoughts and feelings are all over the map on these as well. I have personal experiences. I've seen suffering. I've got all kinds of questions too. So I'm journeying with you. But I can say this, that song that we sang just a moment ago, like I love the heart of what that song says. Like I want to see those things, right? I want to see people healed. I want to see people made new. I believe that that's who God is and I want to see it. And so I'm seeking those things wholeheartedly. Let's pray.